Hello. This is episode six of Alan's Eyes and Ears, and I'm Professor Alan, your host. And in this episode, I am going to, in excruciating detail, um, detail, the geeky details of our recent family vacation to New England. This vacation also had spiritual dimensions, and those have already been discussed on episode 48 of Dorkness to Light. So this one focuses on the other stuff. The family, the friends, the meals, the beaches, the comics, and bookstores. We left on a Tuesday and returned the following Thursday for 10 days of vacay. It started off just me and Mrs. Quarterbin, with M joining us about halfway through. And we drove. That was part of the plan, to make it a road trip adventure. And I am going to talk about the food we ate, because part of the intent of the trip was that wherever we were, we would do our best to not eat at the big chain restaurants, especially the ones that are here near us that we can eat at regularly. So chains that are not here in central Ohio or that we've never eaten at, that's where we tried to go in addition to, of course, uh, local joints. And we often succeeded, though I will detail a few of our epic fails. In the first place we stopped lunch on that first day was a chain founded by a celebrity chef whose many TV shows we mostly like, including a show that focused on the process of franchising this specific chain, but we've never eaten here before, so when we saw that there was one in Pittsburgh, we had to eat at Chicken Guy, which is, yes, a Guy Fieri fast-service restaurant, and I'm not going to lie, the chicken tenders were really good, very crisp and well-seasoned, but the key to Chicken Guy is the sauces. Something like 20 sauce options, and each order of tenders comes with your choice of any two sauces. I'm a fan of blue cheese, and I really dug their blue cheese sauce. So we got off to a pretty fun and a good start eating-wise. And on that first day, we made it pretty far across Pennsylvania, ending right around Scranton at the hotel. They had a list of local restaurants at the front desk, which came in very handy, and we ended up at a very local burger and ice cream joint called Booyah Burgers. I don't remember what Valerie got, but I remember my burger was fine and the fries were hot and good. Exactly the kind of place we were hoping to discover. And don't worry, the next day was more geeky. Now, when we're on the road, we try to, as best as possible, stay at breakfast-included hotels. And we did for this leg of the trip, so that Wednesday, we had warm Hampton Inn breakfast to start the day. And on that day, we were heading to Rhode Island. And in addition to finding 
local spots to eat. We also try to stay off of interstates where reasonable. So when we got into Connecticut, past New York City, we hopped onto a road that ran along the waterfront, and there in the town of Niantic, we found a local joint called Dad's, which we thought was appropriate on many levels. Now you have to know that Mrs. Quarterbin loves her seafood, and me, not so much. So going into this trip, she had two food goals for herself for the vacation. She wanted to have some New England clam chowder, and she wanted to have a lobster roll. And here at Dad's, where I had a blue cheeseburger, because I was on a like a blue cheese you know, vibe, she had a scallop roll, which was not on her list, but she was glad that she got it. But also, she got her clam chowder, real clam chowder, the New England clam chowder, just to be clear. And we made it into Rhode Island shortly thereafter, and we had planned for the next day to be the beach day. So we spent that first afternoon in the ocean state sightseeing based on my wife's desires. I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but the reason we swung through Rhode Island for a few days on our way to Massachusetts was because Valerie lived there for five or six years growing up, around the ages of five or six to like 12, that general age range. So she had a list of places she wanted to see, or at least drive by. So in that afternoon, we found her old school, the old house, even though they had renumbered the street, which made it kind of tricky, their old church, and we drove around where her father used to teach at the, cover your ears, Ange, University of Rhode Island. And we visited the local library from Valerie's childhood, the South Kingston Public Library. She was so excited because nearly 50 years later, it was in the same location. The building had the same footprint and the same exterior, some redesigns and upgrades and upgrades inside, of course. But it was the same basic building that she remembered. And like many public libraries, they had an area of items for sale. And so I dropped a five spot there, picking up two music CDs, a Roy Rogers movie collection, and two novels. They were The Straw Men by Paul Doherty and Full Black by Brad Thor. I have not read either of those yet, but it was more about supporting the library than getting stuff that I had to have, you know. And I will read those two books eventually and probably even watch the Roy Rogers movies. After that visit to the library, Valerie was so pleased with the day, revisiting these nostalgic locations from her childhood, that when I mentioned, hey, you know, there appears to be a comic book store nearby, she really couldn't say no. So we stopped at Fantasy Zone Comics and Used Books, which we will talk about again later in the episode. From there, 
I purchased four items from my want list. Those had a combined you know, sticker price of $11.75, which the owner knocked down to 10 bucks even. For that, I picked up three issues of Ms. Tree, 16, 24, and 34, and also Power Man and Iron Fist, 55. The store did not have any discount comics anywhere, but I had been reliably informed that they did not really exist much in New England. But again, more on that later. Now, This store is not just called Fantasy Zone Comics. It's Fantasy Zone Comics and Used Books. And one full sidewall was stacked floor-to-ceiling with sci-fi and fantasy novels. I did not have enough time to really dig through the piles. My wife's patience is not inexhaustible. And I had just bought some books from the library and picked up some comics there. So I was pretty satisfied with my purchases for the day. And it was here in Warwick, Rhode Island, that we did our first failure in our attempt to not eat at Chains. We were pretty wiped out from the busy day of driving and sightseeing. And within walking distance from our hotel, just across the parking lot, We were unable to resist the urge to walk to Applebee's. I'm going to be honest again, it was pretty good. So the next day, Thursday, was our only full day in Rhode Island, and we started out with the included hotel breakfast, and we started the day early. And then we headed to the coast. We started at Galilee Beach, which Valerie remembered from her youth as a spot that included a pier and bunches of boats, and that is exactly what we saw. But that wasn't the beach that she remembered going to and and playing at. So we went up the coast just a bit to Scarborough State Beach, and we spent the rest of the morning there. We got there, parked, and to the sand by about 9.30, maybe 10 in the morning, something like that. It was early. And we had a good parking spot, and then we got a good spot on the beach. No umbrella, but towels and beach shoes and hats and good SPF. And I even brought a paperback to read. We dipped our toes in the ocean a few times each. Me, a little more than Valerie, maybe. And it was a very nice beach. And we certainly had beautiful weather that day. Valerie hit the gift shop to get some doodads for her brother and her dad and a bunch of co-workers. There wasn't really a snack bar at the beach to speak of. I mean, I guess there was, but it was really just snacks. Nothing there for a meal, uh, nothing there for a lunch. So we packed up and headed out, looking for a local place for lunch, and in Wakefield, we landed at DB's Pizza, and one of us got a pizza, and one of us got a calzone. I can't remember who was who and which was which because pretty much we split them both down the middle and shared. Because yes, we're one of those kind of adorable married couples who do that sometimes. This was another time when we could have hopped back on I-95 and gotten back to the hotel quicker, but we figured the local roads were more than worth the extra 
whatever it was, 15 minutes or something. Totally worth it to hug the coast and drive through some charming little New England towns. And with a little bit of help from my phone, I found a couple other spots to visit on the way back. First was Newberry Comics, which really should actually be called Newberry Pop Vinyls, Toys, Manga, Trades, T-Shirts, Music, Statues. And if you look very closely in the back of the store, we also have a few comics. I mentioned Newberry to both Chris Tyler and Dr. Ange, my chief Boston correspondents, and they both just shook their heads and said that Newberry Comics, despite its name, none of them are really comic shops. My joke was that between the LPs and the pop figures, the store had way more vinyl in it than it did Mylar. I don't begrudge any retailer selling the stuff that will keep them in business. We've talked about this a lot, me and M, about retailing, both the book business and the comic business. But what bums me out about the big pop culture stores like Newbury Comics is that they use the word comics in the store name, even though comic books make up a teeny tiny portion of their floor space, and I imagine their revenue stream. Grumble, 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 and while you're at it, get off my lawn. Fortunately, that wasn't the last stop of the day for us, because pretty close to the hotel in the same town was Mary's Paperback Books. Nice store, lots of books, almost too many, too overwhelming to even know where to start. Great quantity of books, but mostly... I was looking to see if they had comics, because one of the great potential sources of comic book bargains, potentially, not a guarantee, is used bookstores, because they don't always know what they have. And if they have boxes or stacks of 50 cent or dollar books, you can sometimes find bargains. Books that should be priced higher would be priced higher at a traditional comic store. At Mary's, there were not a lot of comics, a few trades, and a couple dozen loose comics, all priced, well, a bit too high for me. The comics were discount box fodder, but priced at $2.50 each, if I recall right. So that was a hard pass. A good store, and if I had an hour to go through the paperbacks, I could have found some winners, I'm sure, but didn't really have the time. And it was still early in the trip all things considered, and I already had bought a couple books at the library sale. But, just saying, I love used bookstores. So we ended up again staying in for dinner, for dinner, and again I walked to a nearby place, this time bringing it back to the room, and although it was a chain, it was in fact a chain based here at home, in Columbus, Ohio, Wendy's. But we were so stuffed from the pizza and calzone lunch that we ended up just splitting a salad as our main course. So that has to give us some credit for something. That actually used to be one of our priorities when traveling to beaches or, or more likely to like music festivals. That was to find the Ruby Tuesday in town, you know, 
when towns had Ruby Tuesdays. My city here of Columbus, Ohio, once had three of them. But that salad bar was second to none. And if you're going to spend three days eating fair food, you know, you make sure you load up on salad one meal when you have that chance, because those might be the only vegetables you get for a while. Not counting fried pickles, obviously. And then Friday morning, we had yet another included hotel breakfast before departing for the big city of Boston and the academic conference that was ostensibly the purpose for our trip. And I have a lot to say about my time in Beantown, but we'll do that after I play a podcast promo. And when I return, I will be joined by an actual real-life Boston citizen to talk about that middle segment of our vacation. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown, An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. And we're back. And by we, I don't just mean me and my bad, bad attitude. Because for this segment of the episode, joined by one of our best Boston buddies... It's Dr. Ange. Hello. Hey, let's park the car. It's official. Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) Welcome back to the network. Always good to chat with you. You know, it's not only great to chat with you, it was great to see you in person. Spoilers. (laughs) Exactly. In this section, we're going to talk about our actual time in Boston, some of which was with Ange, and uh, some of it you could just add your local flavor, your uh, color commentary to, okay? But before we get too far, we do need to backtrack a little bit, because in that first segment, we talked about me and Mrs. Quarterbin's time in Rhode Island, and I know that Dr. Ange had a few things to say specifically about the beach. As a Rhode Island native, is that correct? That is correct. That is correct. You know, it's it's such a small world because you had said, oh, we're going to go to Rhode Island for the, the first part of this because Val grew up 
um, mm -hmm. in Rhode Island uh, and lived in this little place called Narragansett, which is like, that's where my parents' little beach cottage is. That's where every summer until I was in college, I spent my time. And she was talking about places like, oh, you got to go to Scarborough Beach. I'm like, oh, my God, that's right down the road, right? <laughs> and she was like, I want to try to visit the church. I was like, well, this is the church that I go to. Oh, we drove by that place, right? So yeah, yeah. It, was, it was just an incredible, it, such a bizarre experience to know yeah. that we were probably there at the same time. Yeah. Probably at the beach at the same time because there is nothing to do in Narragansett as a kid except go to the beach. Hey, that's so, why you go there. Exactly. So, uh, so it, it was just that's it amazing. was quite charming for me to be able to sort of talk about all of these and yeah. talk about different places. Oh, the towers in Narragansett, the right. Narragansett yes. Town Beach, yes. and you know you go down to the wharfs where like the ships come in and the Block Island Ferry and all that. It was very nostalgic for me to hear her talk about it. Because those are her childhood experiences, they're my childhood experiences. So there was that shared experience. I just oh, thought it was it was great. just such a strange overlap that my friend's wife from Ohio <laughs> lived in the town that I lived. So, anyways, such a small world. And uh, I won't mention the magic hated three letters, but uh, her dad taught at your alma mater's hated rival. We'll just leave it at that, okay? You know, I can't, it's hard for me to say anything too bad as my daughter is now an <laughs> alumna from, from oh, that oh, day. Oh, but, no, uh, that, is that a, must be a dagger. Kids and their rebellion, I tell yes, you. Yes, yes. As we say as Providence College basketball fans, I don't care if we lose every game except one in basketball. As long as the one we win is against URI. Yes, I said those letters. <laughs> Now, also need to backtrack to Rhode Island for one more thing, because in that first segment, I mentioned that I went to Fantasy Zone, and you yeah. have a quite a connection to that store as well. Again, I'm so glad that you found it, because that was the comic book store that I went to in college. Um, and it is a little bit away from Providence, right. um, yeah. but at, at the time, it was what we felt was the best comic book store in the state. It had a huge back issue selection, at least back then. He was reliable, would pull your books. And there were many right. other comic book stores that we went to that opened and closed within a year. Right. And, we, and we just felt like this one was going to be solid. I can remember going into that store and thumbing to the end of Armageddon 2001 and saying... <laughs> It's not Captain Adam. So I mean, like, like, and and I can tell you, I bought many American flag back issues from there. Yeah, I'm I sure the big, did. the oversized album, not a trade paperback. Pretty good store. Pretty good store. Nowadays, it is Fantasy Zone comics and used books. Did it have a used book wall back then? Not that I can recall. It was almost exclusively comics. It may have been right on the cusp of collectible cards or things right. like that but it was almost exclusively comics and and i'll just say it'll tell you how far i've come like those days it was friday comics not wednesday wow okay and me and my friends we would finish our classes and we would and one guy owned a van and we drove to fantasy zone and then we went to mcdonald's and then we went to the arcade <laughs> which is why none of us dated much in college sure that's why. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I have had good luck finding comics at used bookstores, but this was about the first time I'd seen used bookstores at a primary you know, comic store. Mm. 
first things first, you have a few things to answer for regarding Boston, mostly the traffic. Explain yourself, sir. You know, I honestly wish that I could. Um, there is no, there is no explanation at all for the traffic. And I would not say just in Boston, but in Massachusetts in general. There is Route 93, which is a major highway that is four or five lanes, depending on the time of day, that goes at 13 miles an hour. Doesn't matter when. You are in dead stop rush hour traffic on this five lane highway. There's no excuse for it. And I will tell you as an ER doctor, there are times that I'm leaving a shift at one in the morning and there is still traffic on the road. <laughs> Who are those people? Um, and I will say even worse is if you decide I'm not going to go on the highway because it's really not a freeway, it's it's really a traffic jam, and you take back roads, there are look with that, yeah. roundabouts or rotaries, depending upon where you are. There are streets that suddenly come to an intersection and then are one way the other way, so you can't continue going straight. It's all eyelash-shaped roads. There's no grid, and there's absolutely no parking. So... Thank goodness for podcasts like your own, because the 17-mile trip from my house to work <laughs> is an hour every day. So, yeah. yeah, we lived in Richmond, Virginia for a long time, and a lot of the local streets there were literally the colonial ways that eventually got, I mean, eventually got paved, but they were dirt, and then they were stone. I imagine Boston, there's a lot of those roads in Boston that were I was going to say carriages. They were horses. They were they were foot traffic, probably. At one yeah. Point. They talk about how, like, the commons was really like that's where the spring was that you could get water. And so, so many roads <laughs> come into that area because people were like riding their horses just to get, you know, to the pump. So, for us, this was this was on the Friday and we arrived around noon. I mean, we hit there at like 11 in the morning on a Friday. There's no reason it should be 13 miles an hour, but it was. No, it's it's mind numbing. And so you you just have to decide it's going to be an hour. Do you want it to be an hour at standstill traffic or do you want to be an hour where there's red lights and rotaries and people cutting you off? You just have yeah. to decide what poison you want. It's like arsenic with cyanide. So. <laughs> it ended up having to drive around the hotel a couple of times figuring out how to get into the parking garage. But that's on us. But one piece of good luck was that we were able to park only about three spaces into the garage. Oh. So getting the luggage out made that was a whole lot easier than, than it than it could have been. But we didn't unload the car right then because it was way too early to check in. And I knew that the hotel was connected to a mall and then via a skywalk connected to another mall and hotel and then the convention center. So all of that could be walked, staying undercover, dry and warm. And that first day in, we ended up lunching at California Pizza Kitchen, which did violate our goals of trying to eat at local places as much as possible. Look, in our defense, we hadn't been to a CPK since well before COVID. It had been five or six years, so I'm <laughs> allowing it. <laughs> and we, we, we got a pizza and a salad. And it's always important when you get a chance to have something green when you're traveling because you never know when the next vegetables are going to come. Hotel that we were at, I selected it because this is a big conference, uh, Academy of Management. It's kind of like the Dragon Con of academic business conferences, sessions at multiple hotels in the area. But most of the events that I was interested in were at this hotel. So it, it, it 
it worked out. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this, Ange, for medical conferences. But the first thing we had to do after lunch was actually register for the conference. Yeah, I had to go had to go get my badge. And that was at the conference center. So that was that was a a, a bit of a walk. But we got signed in. That was going to eventually be where the Comic Con, the merchandise area, they're the what? Yep, the the exhibits, the exhibits from vendors and 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 all of that. Um, Talk about actually went by there a couple days later. Kind of disappointing freebies. Anyway, just I'm just saying, just saying, not much, (laughs) not much swag. But okay, so but got my badge. By that time, we could check into the hotel uh, uh, mid afternoon. And uh, like I said, getting the stuff from the car was not nearly as arduous as it could have been. And this, this was something I had never seen um, at this hotel. The way that the elevators worked, sort of a triangle area. So you ended up with three elevators on each wall, so nine elevators. But you didn't push an up or down button. It was a big panel. You entered it in what floor you were going to. And it directed you to which elevator. Oh, so so it it had some cool you know linear programming model or something oh. happening to efficiently. I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. It's weird that's to step into cool. an elevator and not press a button because you step yeah. into the elevator, you move that direction. <laughs> yeah, but you've all, you've already told it what what the floor you're going to go to. It's kind of like when I switch cars with me and Valerie. My emergency brake is on the floor and hers is on the in the center console. You, you pull yeah, it up. Yeah. So even when I park her car and I pull up her emergency brake, I still smash my foot onto the floor because <laughs> that's wait a minute. There's no oh yeah, you just that, did the brake, dummy. You don't have to do it again. But you walk into an elevator and there's no button. It's weird. That's but, strange. Uh, so but uh based on the schedule. It looked like there were going to be two sessions that I could get to that afternoon before dinner. But the first one ran way over, so I just got to that one. And we ended up eating at the main restaurant at the hotel, the Yard House. Not for the last time. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Now, in the first part of the episode, Ange, I talked about our preference for breakfast-included hotels when we're on the road. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for this sort of conference hotel, you you know, they don't do that. So sometimes I, I imagine this is true with your medical conferences, but depending how they're organized, sometimes you can get away with not having breakfast because usually there's some snacks in the morning yeah. at the sort of like the coffee break area, might be some yep. muffins or something like that. That's you true. Know, That's I, true. Even back in the old days, pre COVID like a, It'd be like a bowl of you know fruit salad that you could self serve. Yep. I think we're never going to see that again. Yeah, you know. But some of those conferences you could sort of. I mean, let's be honest. You could sort of save your per diem by not spending money at breakfast and just just living on lunch and dinner and maybe walking home with a few extra bucks. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. yeah. I'm clearly not speaking from my own experience, but you know, you get a stipend for meals mm-hmm. each day. And if you don't, right, and you submit that. And if you happen to spend less than that. No one's going to So, know. you know, if you're really in a portable mood, you can put cliff bars <laughs> in your suitcase, right? <laughs> we did have, so I, we did have some cereal bars, granola bars, whatever it was. But uh, so it was very, very disappointing that they had no, 
provided breakfast at all to us. So that granola bar came in handy. And then uh, met Valerie for lunch over by the Skywalk. She sat outside the Shake Shack, uh, which we had never been to before. Hmm. Uh, Shake Shack experience. It's like the world's most expensive McDonald's for me. I don't yeah. think the burgers are great. Um, uh, and they're, they're like eight bucks, you know, 10 bucks if you get it with bacon or something like that. And, and every time I go, my kids love it. But every time I go, I'm like, I don't know. I think like I'm overspending. My impression that it is more of an East coast deal. It was sort of getting, it was getting to sort of one of those hot properties. So again, pre pandemic, maybe because it was big in New York, it got, you know, sort of wall street coverage, you know, the company. I do think COVID, I think, may have stopped their expansion plans. Interesting. You know, uh, ground them to a halt. I think there might be one here in Columbus, but we've never eaten at it. It was fine. It was fine. So, but then I, I wandered into the to the uh, convention center area, and like I said, I don't know, I just got some pens and highlighters and pads of paper. Nothing, nothing. I tell you, back in the old days, back in the old days, and you could walk out of there with textbooks that you could then resell. Oh, I yeah. mean, not that, not that you would resell yeah. those textbooks that you had no intention of adopting, but I hear rumors that you could. Uh, but the swag was, again, swag was uh, uh, way down this year. Again, I blame. Darn you, pandemic. I'm yes, exactly. You, blaming you for exactly. everything. Again, I went back to a few sessions uh, on, on that Saturday. And then... Uh, I'll let you sort of take over here because Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, we all hung out. So re remind us of the, the driving yeah. tour, first of all, that you gave us of your fine city. Well, the first thing I'll say, uh, I just want to touch base. The hotel you're at is connected to the mall, which is connected to the convention yes. center. The Boston Comic Con one year was in that site. And that is also oh, the site okay. of AnimeCon, which is considered one of the biggest yeah, East, East okay. Coast AnimeCons. So I've been there. It's a little bit of a highfalutin mall. Like, you know, right? Oh, There's like, oh, a little bit? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, it's like, glad, oh. I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad Mrs. Quarterman did not, did not break the bank. So, you designer know this and designer that. And... Yes. Oh, a $3,000 watch. You know, <laughs> I don't think that's for me. One thing we did notice about the mall looking at looking at these, you know, designer upscale fashion places that the comment that Valerie made is the further apart the items are from each other, the more expensive they are. Like if like if in that wall of purses, there are only five purses. Yeah. You know, they're going to be really, really expensive if they're, you know, 150 purses <laughs> on yeah. that wall. You're in Walmart. Right? But yeah. if they're if they're only five and they each have their own stand, they, their own display, or the pairs of shoes have their own have their own uh, display section to themselves, yes, probably too yes. expensive for me. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and this year, Boston Wicked Comic Con, which is a new con, was also held there. That was oh, the first, okay. the year before it was somewhere else, and it was held there. Um, uh, I went with a friend who's a little bit more blue blood than me, who was like, oh, they've got blue bottle coffee. We have to get a coffee, like $11 for a medium coffee. It's like, come on here. Right. You know, but uh, but it's OK. It's, it's OK. Again, I, it was just wonderful that my schedule worked such that oh, yeah. I was able to come and get you. So after our experience on Friday, I felt bad asking anybody to come in downtown to find us. Fortunately, you didn't have to park. You just slowed yeah. down enough 
that that we were able to jump in the car in, in front of the hotel. Correct. Correct. And <laughs> and I'll tell you that you, you know I knew where I was going to take you one because I felt like you're already in the city, so I should try to take you outside of the city to like a little bit more bohemian or quirky sort of area. And two, if I ever pulled into a public parking garage and you saw that I was going to pay $38 for two hours of parking, I think you would revoke my Porterbin card. And oh, I man, did oh, not man, want that. But that's it. There is no street parking in Boston or no easy street parking in Boston. And if you have to park in a garage, it's like $20 for the first 30 minutes, $34 for the first two hours, right? So I said, why don't we just do, we'll do a quick driving tour. Now, your, yep. where your hotel was, was like definitely like downtown. The public library was there. Newberry Street was two streets over. That's mm -hmm. all expensive shops. The Commons is a little bit up. And, and I said, oh, we'll just sort of drive around. I wanted to show you sort of like a little bit more my neck of the woods. So picked you up. We drove by the MFA so I could show you where the Museum right. of Fine Arts were. We drove by the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. I told you the story of the Rembrandts that were stolen from there that have never been recovered. You know, her quirky history of that, if any of the art is removed from the house that, you know, or she sells it all and the money goes somewhere else. And so it has to stay where it's at within that museum. So that was fun. And then that's, of course, a spitz distance from the medical area of Boston. So I drove Yay. you by Harvard, Harvard Medical School, Boston Children's Hospital, Brigham and Women's, the Dana-Farber Cancer Center, all of those things like a spitz distance from each other right. plopped within like a two block zone, like just the, the medical knowledge coming out of there is like pretty impressive. <laughs> Don't ask me how I'm there. And then, you know, we, we took a right. Um, there's the Fenway Phi, which is Northeastern, yep. Wentworth uh, Institute of Technology, Simmons, Emanuel College, and gosh, one more that I'm forgetting. Um, and then we drove up and we drove by Fenway Park. So yeah. I thought it would be good to sort of see, you know, Fenway, obviously a, a historical, you know, baseball park. Um, we saw the monster from behind, yep. and the, brick, the brick front face and all of the banners of, of the various World Series and American League championships they've won. And, and uh, I'm glad that I was able to do that. You and I talk. We, we talk sports a lot. Yeah, we talk and, sports a lot. I would say the Venn diagram of sports and comics. Yeah, it, there's not a big overlap. So when yep. when you can talk to to folks who like both, it's it's you hold and, on like grim death. <laughs> and, and I send out and receive lots of comics from lots of people, but most of the time when I'm sending comics to you or to Luke Jack and Eddie or receiving them, it's because somebody has lost a bet. Yes. The majority of us yes. sending comics back and forth to each other. Yeah. I'm going to digress just a little bit and say, before I became your friend, I did not even know that there was a conference called the Mac. Let alone know <laughs> that they went, right, when they play each other, it's called Maction, which I just think is fantastic. And I have watched your university play basketball to mm -hmm. the befuddlement of people who are like, why do you care who's Toledo versus <laughs> a different Ohio university. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I'm intrigued by this whole thing. They get a spot in the field of 64, but I digress. And, and of course, I grew up in suburban Maryland outside Washington, D.C., right when the Big East oh, yeah. was, was becoming a thing. So 
Georgetown and Syracuse and Providence and St. Yep. John's and Villanova and all those understand the glories of Big East basketball. That was a tough league. That was a tough physical a, league, baby. That was a tough physical league. I still think it's tougher than most. I think that yes. when, yes. You see, when you see the ACC play the Big East in the tournament and elbows are flying, <laughs> those Duke boys don't know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not used to that. Anyways, so we drove by Fenway, which I thought was great. And then yes. um, there was a small town, like literally a very small town outside of Boston called Brookline, and they have an area called Coolidge Corner that is just a nice little section of small shops it's kind of a you, you go there you walk up and down and look at different shops and bookstores and cooking stores and it's, it just has the feel of like oh this is a place where you can learn right not only shop but learn about different cultures and different things the coolidge corner cinema is there um uh which is one of my favorite cinemas because they show classic movies on the big screen yeah. as well as current movies they kind of veer towards art house movies i've seen the incredible shrinking man there i've seen the russian solaris there they often will have experts whether they're film people or or somebody uh who's uh you know learned in the area of the film come and give a little lecture beforehand and then give it so it's it's really a cool cool movie theater for people that like film like me when you throw in comic books sports and turner classic movies yeah, you probably be the one in the, in the middle of that venn diagram yes i, I probably am the intersection on that um uh so I said, let's go there because that'll be fun because I know that the shops there are pretty cool. There's a bookstore there that I thought like, I want, you know, I know M works in a bookstore. It's a really cool bookstore. I want to show you this bookstore. There is a comic bookstore there, right? Because New England Comics is the local chain and they have like six or seven stores, one of which is right there in Coolidge Corner and you can park there. So, <laughs> yes. so. I, I realize now a month or two uh, after the fact, just how important that is. Oh, it's incredibly important because there are times that they'll be like, there is a medical conference happening in downtown Boston. Um, it's going to cost you $50 just to park, right? And it's like, forget it, right? You know, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to learn enough to warrant the, <laughs> the, the cost of the conference and park. Now, right after we parked, the first thing we did was, of course, we did the uh, obligatory exchange of comic books. That's right. Now, I held a few of mine back for Monday evening, but that's another story. Well, we will, we we will get to that. But you gave me, including a sojourn. Oh yeah, signed by Greg Land and Ron Mars because yes. hashtag secret project, right? Yes, yes. And I do my best. I I try to get cool things. And both of those guys were at Terrificon earlier in the summer, and I really like that book. Um, it's early Greg Land, so I'll say the tracing is minimal. Um, the <laughs> prurient nature is still quite high. That's really the only one that I can remember giving you because we exchanged yeah, so, so much. A couple silver sables with Dr. Doom, of course. Oh, that's and, right. And came through with some. That was Jack Kirby month. Oh, that's uh, back true. Back in August, so uh, Mr. Miracle and uh, New Gods and a couple kirby related books as well yes yes i think that there was a captain victory in there one of the sterling yep. gates rebirth mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. so that was pretty mm -hmm. cool and you gave me books uh, as well you first mm -hmm. i uh, i think you gave me the film noir book uh, which is just fantastic written by eddie muller of tcm fame and, and other fame and and is the surgeon x stuff was 
not that That's day. later. Because so I've we'll, got we'll a story go about business. that. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. So that was a lot of fun. We exchanged books. It was wonderful to meet Val um, yep. because I Zoom met her. So I also <laughs> feel like I know her quite well, but it was wonderful to meet her. And then she was quite nice when we went uh, to the comic book store. Yes. <laughs> so that was New England Comics. Like I said, that multiple locations, that's your store, but that was not your location. Is that Correct. Right? That is, I go to New England Comics in Quincy, Mass., which is in the middle of the state. But obviously, they're all one store. Yep. So. And what is their customer loyalty program? Because you generously shared your freebies with me. They both have what they call a VIP, um, which yep. is if you subscribe to a certain bunch of titles each month, they'll subtract either 5 or 10% from the cover price. And then they have almost like a sandwich card. And you can pick the levels that you want. And so there's one that if it's like, if you spend $25 a week, if you fill up the card, it's it's like a $15 gift certificate. And if there's a lower bracket that if you spend $10 and you fill it up, um, it's worth five. Uh, because of the state of comic books have now shifted that to yeah. 10 and $3, not 15 and five. Right. But I had one filled up for 15 bucks. Uh, and I think I said, you know, let's just go to town let's, in the dollar box. Hit, yeah, let's hit the dollar boxes. And that was great because, you know, like a like a true student of cheapness, we ended up walking out of there paying nothing. Exactly. This is, oh, this is Ange, living right, man, living right. Yeah. I remember I got a Edgar Rice Burroughs, Carson of Venus, a classic pulp sci-fi. That was some more Jack Kirby, The Demon. One of oh, the, the more modern takes on the demon. Yeah. Handful of others. And they also had on the way out some of the leftover free comic book day books. I know we have a store down here that does that. So I picked up a I think that 2000 AD and one other out of yeah. the so more freebies. More freebies. Yeah. It was crazy because I kind of flipped through there and I was like, you know, the these are new dollar boxes for me because I don't yep. go to that store that often. Right. And they had the first five issues of, I think, the new 52 Challengers of the Unknown, written by Scott Snyder, of which I've read the first, which is interesting. They have like a tattoo of the hourglass that slowly changes. Mm -hmm. At some point, they die, I guess. So uh, so <laughs> I'm still in the middle of reading. Nice. Uh, now, we left Valerie on a park bench for a few minutes. We took our comics back to the, back to the car. I remember that. Back to the car. And that's when we went to... The bookstore. That's right. So, so Booksmith Bookstore, which is a great bookstore. I mean, I really like that. Again, um, it is. You get the sense it's a college town bookstore, yeah. right? right? You know, it's it it's got like a nice mix of real good books. Um, it did take over like the store next door, so there is a section where they have fancy coffees and fancy olive oils and cooking equipment and things like that, you know, um, associated, I would say, with books. Um, and then uh, there now is... Let, now, let, let me say this. Ever since M went to work at the Book Loft, the leading independent bookstore in the Midwest, I have begun to pay close attention to how bookstores are organized, arranged, what products they carry, because the profit margin on books even new books is kind of slim. So the money is made on the candles, the book bags, the shirts, the art prints, anything else that you can sell. What I remember is that that original half of the store 
was pretty much loaded, looked like a traditional bookstore. Correct. And then it was the second half, the sort of that 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 newer location that they had moved into, which was where we had to go to check out, if I remember, which was correct. Smart. You but have to walk through you that have to walk through that part, which is where the upscale coffees and chocolates and the teas and all of that. And you mentioned we we didn't walk towards the back, but you, you hinted at it there, but what they do with the cookbooks. Yeah, that whole section, I think, is pretty brilliantly arranged because the back wall is all cookbooks and like bartending books and all things like that. And then right there is the mixing bowls and the fancy wooden spoons and, and you know, some ingredients and things like that. And another section is like, this is like the coffee table books of art. And right next to that are sketchbooks with fancy magic right. markers and yeah. watercolors and things like that so they arranged books with items that you might buy if you're oh if you're interested in that book you might want this non-book item that also would go along with it it's like one-stop shop if you've got a gift to yeah. buy like i'm oh, going to yeah. get a cookie Absolutely. book and i'm going to get like fancy oven mitts right you know Perfect. right yeah it, it really is good margin genius really really solid and, and, you know, those two parts of the store did seem pretty upscale, you know, new books, new merchandise, yes. again, gourmet stuff, artisan, chocolate and all that. But back in that original store, you showed us the secret door, the <laughs> passage. You had yeah. to know it was there. It, 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 there was not a big sign that said used books down. What? You sort of had to know to yes. go to the secret used book basement. Correct. And, uh, and it, you know, that very similar to it, there are a lot of used books down there enough that yeah. they have sections, right? This is the music yeah. and film section of the used bookstore. This is the history section of the bookstore. Here's fiction, crime fiction, right? Ch kids books, graphic novels, all yeah. that stuff yeah. is down there. I picked up the John Sable Omnibus Volume 1 for a pretty reasonable price. And there was also in among those sections was the $1 bookcase. And uh, I grabbed three or four books in there, including one for M, one for one for Valerie. So, and that's good because usually the used bookstores I go to, even the, you know, the discount ones, maybe two bucks is yeah. the cheapest or three bucks or having actual dollar books. That was kind of surprising for you, you know, upscale wealthy bostonians but i think that's why they they keep it a secret like they'll sell you the stuff from down there but they're not real proud of it that's yeah yeah <laughs> that's for sure I will, I will tell you that that small town is exceptionally affluent so um so um but even i got a couple of books down there because as crazy as it sounds i love those kids choose your own adventure books oh and, right yep yep and I got a couple of them. I will often read them with my girlfriend and we alternate who makes a decision. Do you want to go and talk to the captain of the ship or do you want to explore the engine room? And it's like, it's your turn to pick. Okay, let's explore the engine room, right? And as silly as it sounds, it's, sometimes it's just like That's it's hilarious. mindless, That's but awesome. it's so that fun. Awesome. It's so That's fun. Awesome. From there, you took us uh, to one of your favorite pizza places. That is true. We went to Otto's Pizza which is a real nice little local pizzeria. Um, they sell by the slice and they sell whole and they have great appetizers there, as, um, which we ordered. And that really is, when I go to that Coolidge Corner Cinema, that's, that's the pre-movie, let's go to Otto's, we'll get a slice, 
and then we'll go across the street and we'll go to the movie. So it, it, I've been there many times. I was going to say, I've been there enough to know you can't not get their meatballs as an appetizer if you have a group of people. So we got the we got them for appetizer. Delicious. That's what I was going to say. Maybe it's an Italian-American thing. I don't know, but we don't do that in the Midwest. In the Midwest, our appetizer for pizza is, well, we like to preload the carbs, get extra carbs. <laughs> so it's garlic bread, garlic yeah. knots, fried mozzarella. In the Midwest, if you, if you, if you can't dunk it in ranch, why even eat it? Yeah. So, uh, so those those meatballs, that revelation to us to us uh, Midwesterners, and uh, excellent. That pizza was solid. Pizza was great. We we got one that uh, all of us enjoyed, and and so that was good. I was glad I was able to show you that. That really was sort of like a little slice of Ange life. And <laughs> after that, I think we even got a little ice cream. Yeah, yeah. We sat out on the street benches for a little while, chatting. Then, yeah, I think it was Valerie, always on the lookout, said, "You know, I think we just walked." Past an ice cream place. Correct. JP Lex, <laughs> so, another yeah, local so, franchise. Yeah. Let things said a little bit, but we all waddled to the <laughs> ice cream place afterwards. Right. <laughs> right. Ah, great day. And excellent work as a tour guide, by the way. Excellent. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, uh, I, I tried to feel out what you wanted because, you know, I think that if you're going to do Boston, it probably is best on foot. And I felt like you yep. guys were probably a little bit tired and to say like, we're going to walk 10 miles didn't seem yeah. right. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad the drive tour and I, and I'm glad getting out of the city and letting you sort of see yes. a few of the, of the Absolutely. personal sites of help. And, and, and like you say, in retrospect, you finding the one place you could park genius. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And of course, now, that was not the last time that we hung out either. So that was Saturday. Sunday was actually one of the busier days at the conference for me because this management conference, it had a one-day conference within a conference solely about teaching in the classroom. And I know what you might be thinking. If this was a conference for college professors, wouldn't all of it be about teaching? No. <laughs> the Dirty little secret is that academic conferences are primarily about academic papers that focus on something else, finance or HR, business law or, or whatever it is. But this day they had an all-day teaching conference, and that was a priority for me. Uh, fortunately, they gave us a two-hour break for lunch, and I was able to squeeze in yet another local Bostonian into that window, the notorious JJG, Jeremiah Jones Goldstein. Because I think I was chatting to Billy D a couple weeks before going. It's yeah, we're gonna go up there. We're gonna meet Ange. Gonna see Chris Tyler from Two Two Freaks. And he said, I think Jeremiah's from up there. So, oh, tweet out to Jeremiah and see if he's a, he he's available. So uh, give uh, give Billy all all the credit for that because I I did not know he was uh, for, from up around there. So uh, we worked it out. Uh, for him to come down and meet me and Valerie for lunch at Tasty Burger. I was going to oh. give them a chance to live up to their name, see if they could earn that name. And it looked like that local chain, maybe. Are you familiar with the work of Tasty Burger? Oh, I'm going to tell you that right up the street from the hospital and right outside of Fenway Park, sort of on the opposite ah. side of Fenway where we went, is a tasty burger and they are open late so there is mm. a perfect we're getting off at midnight let's go to tasty burger and uh they have the gorgonzola burger which has gorgonzola yes, they 
do. Which is just delicious. You will not know this, but I talked about the glories of blue cheeseburgers already in the first segment. So amazing! I was amazing. I was all over that, all I over that. That and then they've got onion strings, not rings, mm-hmm. and French fries and tater tots, and yes. and uh, so like I go there enough that I like I don't even need the menu. I I'm <laughs> going to get my usual. So <laughs> now, I do have one story to tell because beforehand I told Valerie that the two of us, we needed to take a selfie to send it to Jeremiah so he knew what we looked like. And she was quite confused at this. Like, you don't even know what this guy looks like that we're going to meet for lunch? (laughs) Well, look, I've never podcasted with Jeremiah, and he actually doesn't tweet many selfies. So I I didn't know what the guy looked like. And (laughs) like I said, I could understand how some... You know, the ladies in our lives might be confused by that situation, but, you know. I, I have to say that, like, it, it has been very interesting to talk to both uh, Anna, my girlfriend, and my friends. when I'll say, like, oh, I'm meeting this guy from Scotland. And it's like, oh, he read. He loves the Legion of Superheroes, too. That's why. Right. You know, and so it's really funny when it's sort of like, you know, how do I know? I, you know, I know two guys from Australia because I love the Doom Patrol, right? You know, but that's the power of social media when it's used wisely. You make friends, right? That's the whole point. So, uh, so fortunately, Jeremiah, he returned the favor, took a picture from the public transit that he was riding in. So we all recognized each other. And fortunately, this Tasty Burger location is literally one or two storefronts down from where it, it is it the t is that the, the public transport that's correct because again after that terrible experience of driving and trying to park in boston again i felt terrible i'm asking someone else to come into downtown for lunch but he was able to take the to take the tea and it worked out pretty conveniently just by sheer good fortune and uh of course I brought him a couple actual literal quarter books here from Half Price Books, complete with the yellow sticker right on the cover. We don't stick it on the bag, Ange. We stick it right on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, this was a complete shock to me and a revelation to some of my Boston friends because he also had quarter books from right there in the Boston area. And he told us of the glories of Bedrock Comics in Framingham and Ange, how had this store never hit your radar? I've never been out there. Uh, you can imagine that with the traffic woes that you've told. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good reason. There could be a good reason. So, uh, so in addition to gaining that important intelligence, um, I also picked up a Nancy 158, a sad sack, jungle book starring Mowgli, all coverless because that's the secret of those quarter books there. And great lunch, great burger, great tots, as you said. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah, such a kind and friendly uh, fellow. We talked about comics, TV, all of that. And more importantly, we talked a lot about cats. Oh. Because Jeremiah, like me, we're cat guys. Explains a lot about us. So great lunch, great time. Again, a, a winning a social media uh, you know, friend uh, meeting in, uh, in real life. 
And then uh, for dinner, I took Mrs. Quarterman out to probably the nicest meal of the vacation, the nicest restaurant, because she had yet to have her lobster roll. And the mall location of legal seafood enabled her to cross that off of her list. But she almost wavered because she saw swordfish was on the menu also Mm. and strongly considered that. But fortunately, the waiter, who was excellent, by the way, reminded her that although swordfish is not common, you actually can get it elsewhere. But a lobster roll, this is your one chance. (laughs) Yeah. Get a lobster roll here literally in Boston for another day. So you can't get that anywhere else. So great advice, great waiter. And according to Valerie, a pretty great lobster roll as well. Monday morning, I went up, got to a seminar early and met Valerie in the hotel restaurant after that first session and actually shared some of her breakfast. Uh, That was the plan. She basically ordered one and a half breakfasts. So I sat down and had some of her hash browns, some of her fruit cups, some of her omelet. Perfect. And for lunch, we had seen a number of cafes in the attached mall, but one that we saw called Cafe Nero. And that that one struck us because in the font that it's in, on first glance, it looked like it said Cafe Nerd. So, which is what 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 we have referred to it as ever since, Cafe Nerd. But they were one of those coffee shops that had some sandwiches. So we had some lunch there, good ham and cheese on that fancy French bread. It was that afternoon, Monday afternoon, that M was arriving. And first of all, uh, Dr. Ange, we need to thank you a lot for how this part of the plan worked out because it was a week or so beforehand. And I asked you, you know, what's the best way for us to get from the hotel up to Logan Airport to pick M up? And your answer was, don't. (laughs) After our experiences with travel and parking, we wholeheartedly agree. But isn't there like a bridge that confuses Google Maps or a tunnel? Yes. You got to go through the harbor or under the harbor, over the harbor. There's a tunnel that's under construction that they close that Google Maps doesn't always know. And then... It can just be a pain because if if you if you're on Google Maps and you go that way and the tunnel is closed, you're kind of SOL, as they say. So so it was just easier to just not go. Plus, it's not like it's right there. It's like yeah. it's a pain for you to you got to go across the city to get to the highway that you need to go. So. So fortunately, I'd asked the concierge the best way to get someone from Logan to the hotel. And they said that there was a shuttle bus that ran from the airport to the attached mall, you know, and was able to get dropped off, like, you know, basically there on site and a half mile away or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, the concierge there, he said he thought it cost $3. And I'm saying, well, you know, you, you certainly can't beat that. Except that we did beat that because, you know, 99.9% of the people who are going to ride that shuttle, ride it as a round trip and the three dollars is the round trip but they only collect going to the airport so technically to the airport is three dollars and from the airport is free so how about that for good fortune and and paying attention to my uh, local knowledge expert as well thank you so much for that i will say one other travel hack that we did 
uh, this helped because obviously you know, we were going to be up here when M was flying up is that and M, as you might guess, is a pretty organized person. So was able to get packed. We actually took their suitcase with us in, in the car the week before. So all that they had, that they didn't have to check any bags. Yeah, so we had a we had a nonstop, you know, a direct flight, uh, Columbus to Boston, and no checked bag. So some of the things that can go wrong, missed connection, lost bag, we had worked around that. So, M just uh, showed up with their backpack, and and uh, we were ready. We, we met M. I zoomed back to a couple seminars for a few hours while the two of them, no judgment, but I'm guessing that M and Valerie talked nonstop for the next two hours while I was gone. I'm just guessing, just guessing. Then I went back up and we all got ready for dinner because Monday night, that night was what I called the big blowout dinner. Me and Valerie and M and you and Chris Tyler, the two Bostonian nerds that we knew best, who we've zoomed with or podcasted with and including m the, the folks that m knew as well and to valerie's relief we actually knew what you guys look like so that was a huge advantage um and uh and y'all significant others uh we mentioned anna and also yeah. uh, uh, maureen tyler so it was the seven of us that uh, hung out for dinner and there was an italian restaurant again there uh in the mall a place called parm you know, the three of us, when we walked down there, we assumed we were getting there early, but you two were already there in the bar. Uh, very nice. That is correct. If it's one thing that I am, you know, uh, uh, I had a teacher for a father who said, if you're on time, you're late. So, <laughs> and knowing the insanity of driving in Boston, exactly. I always say you need a 15 minute leeway. If you're there 15 yeah. minutes early, thank the stars, right? <laughs> because more often than not, you're circling, looking for a garage to park in. So, I think you, you told the story there, but you, you, you need to tell it here. Tell the story of how Anna discovered your oh. secret shame that you blog <laughs> about Supergirl. Yes, it's very, it's it's true. This is a true and funny story. And that is that we were just starting to date and because um, we all met at work that was the context yes we we've we met at work and so um and i was at terrificon and that year terrificon had had given me a press badge because the site gets a certain amount of hits every day so i'm i, uh, I um, am able to get a, a press badge and i sent her a selfie i was like you know i'm at terrificon she's quite bright she zoomed in and she was like i have two questions for you one um, why do you have a press badge? And two, <laughs> right, who is Ange? Because that is not a nickname that I use at work. Most people call me by my last name at work. And so I had to then say, like, okay, you know, like, this is a story better told in person. For the past 12 years, I have been blogging about Supergirl on the internet, right? You, you expect to get the walking keys at that point, right? <laughs> In fact, you know, like I have been told that I'm probably one of the preeminent Supergirl scholars, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> so, yeah, that I had to tell her. And then Ange's, you know, that's what my family calls me. And so it's kind of like my nickname, but it never, you know, like 
people at work have never known me as that. And it's a little bit weird now for me to sort of try to introduce that. So, and so she was like, huh, <laughs> luckily she stuck around. <laughs> yes, so I yes. feel very blessed. <laughs> now, there was a little drama with the Tylers. Again, I'm blaming Boston traffic and parking for this. Yes. So they were running a little bit late, but I was thinking about this. And I think this may have worked out well for Anna to just meet the three of us first. Yes. Actually, mostly just the four of you, because I was out, out front looking for Chris and, and, yeah. and Marine a lot. So you and Anna M and Valerie got a chance to chat for a little while. And I said that may have been a good way to introduce Anna to some of the weirdos in your orbit, to not be overwhelmed, to, to not be outnumbered so greatly all at once. Yes. You, you know, it's funny because obviously like she and I have been uh, together for a couple of years. And so she knows like we went to uh, like the wedding of Rob Kelly and she's met right. Shag, right? You know, and the year, right, the year before at the restaurant, literally across the way from Parm, we had dinner with Mark and Gray and Steve, right? right. And yeah. She's heard everybody's name and conversation because I will say things like, oh, I'm podcasting with so-and-so. Oh, you should have seen the tweet that so-and-so put out. So, But it was still very good, I think, um, for, to, as you say, to like warm up in that way. Yeah, yeah. So the Tylers uh, finally did make it. And I had some comic gifts for you and, and Chris. And there's a story about the comics I gave you. Because I had seen maybe a couple months ago, two issues, maybe the only two issues, of something called Surgeon X. And of course, a comic book featuring a doctor, maybe as a bad guy, I can't tell, whatever, that just had to be set aside for you. And the problem was that on Saturday, at the New England comics, those dollar bins, they had about 10 copies each of issues one and two. And so, you know, we're attacking the bins from opposite sides, right? So I ran across these. I had to pull them out, put them underneath my stack. I, I didn't want you to run across them because yes. I had them waiting for you for you know, 48 hours later. So when I found that grabbed them out of the bins and then when we rotated past each other, I snuck them back into the boxes nice. that you had all been all, already been through. But um, do you want to give us a quick review of Surgeon X? Well, I'll tell you, I've read the first two issues. It turns out I think there were six issues in total because okay. I bought the trade and I have okay. not finished reading the trade. It takes place, shockingly, in a dystopian future. But what I find most fascinating about it is that really the underpinning of it all is that there is significant resistance to antibiotics, which is actually a real problem. You know, it's a real medical problem now. And, I, it's, and so what's happening is like 20 years from now, 15 years from now, whatever it is, it's like, we can't afford to give some people antibiotics because resistance will go up. And so there's actually like a caste system in, in medicine about like, are you worthy of getting antibiotics or not? And of course, Surgeon X is like, no, we have to save people. Like that's what we do as doctors. Okay. So Surgeon X is actually a good guy who has okay. like a in their basement operating room where they are trying to like be the doctor or people, but there's clearly a political underpinning, but yeah. it's quite fascinating. Like literally, you know, the first issue, there's a two page spread with somebody saying like, you know, Lister first discovered penicillin in this year. Oh, but by the way, they don't make a lot of money. So pharma has never sought new antibiotics. And as a result, right. we're in the dilemma we're in. So kind of a fascinating read, enough for me to go out and buy the trade. I, I know that you do a number of presentations 
yes. at, at work and you enjoy putting in comic book panels when you can. And you said that Surgeon X was just a little too PG-13 yes. or, or soft yeah. R that you just, you just yeah. couldn't quite include panels from that comic. Yes. Every time there's a good panel in terms of like talking about a medical thing, Surgeon X turns out to be a bit of a potty mouth. And so <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of F in, but like actually the word. Yes. I'll have to pick and choose carefully. So uh, now to me, I thought that was an epic dinner. Oh, so much fun. We all had a blast. The food was darn good. Yeah. Uh, so now a few months later, what are your recollections or impressions of that fun and loud night? Well, um, I will tell you that we had just done um, Assistant Editor's Month, and that was the first time yes. that I had met Chris. So right. it was good to just get everybody together. And of course, um, I've Zoomed with them, and I've listened to you and them, but that was right. the first time I got to meet them. And so that was great. And, and then to hear them talk about their bookstore and yeah. the quirkiness of that bookstore and <laughs> to hear them talk about their cats... It you know it's crazy to, to say this, but it felt like old friends getting together. Yeah. Even yeah. though this was like literally the first time that I had met a bunch. Yeah. So, agreed, agreed. Now, maybe more importantly, a few months later, what are Anna's recollections of that about meeting again? <laughs> not the first time meeting yes. some of your geeky friends, but you know, again, she was quite outnumbered. I always tell her, if only when she was 13, someone nudged her, she would probably have a lot of the same things. Because yeah. she likes interesting music and interesting art and interesting film. And she's like, so I'm like, I have tried. I've like, so like <laughs> here's some Dan Slott She-Hulk. Right? No. Here's some Neil Gaiman Black Orchid. No. All right. Let me see. Right? But um, uh, she had a great time as well. And, and, and she, she just, I think she's really impressed that everybody that she has met from that circle yeah. are still goddamn nice, right? Like like everybody is really generous, kind people, you know? Uh, and, and so she really enjoyed that night. Theoretically, there could be jerks in our group, but I think there's like a self-selecting element. I think yeah. if, they, if they try to break in, they're just more welcome elsewhere. Yeah. You, you know, it just they just don't fit in. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's it's funny. I like, honestly, last week I had dinner with Billy D. Yep. And his wife said, how did you guys meet? And I kind of just said, it turns out if you have similar interests and you're sane, you can, <laughs> you, you can find each other. Yeah. Right? The problem is there are a lot of insane people yeah. Yeah. with our interests. And I don't have time for those people. So I do think you're right. There's kind of a natural self-selection. And I, I will say I am overjoyed. I, I beam with pride whenever Valerie says, you know, I was texting with Ruth Sutherland this morning. And <laughs> yes, we have made connections. We have made Correct. connections. It's, it's wonderful. Wonderful. So that was our last full day in Boston, but not the end of the family trip. For one thing, M had just arrived and we had things to do on the drive home. But that will be the last section of the episode. So this section is quickly coming to an end. Ange, any other uh, thoughts, comments, anything we missed about our Boston trip? I don't know if you mentioned St. Patrick's Cathedral right next to Dunkin' Donuts. 
that was a significant part of our darkness delight episode but yes oh yes so that right was so amazing yes. that was amazing is there anything <laughs> more boston than the patron saint of ireland church with many 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 masses running in a mall right next to dunks i mean Perfect. so amazing but, amazing no i i can only say that i honestly you know i truly consider you a, a very very good friend and so it was just great to actually meet you in person and to meet val Absolutely. in person i always tell you you need to hug val and tell her how great she is um <laughs> uh and so i was very happy to say that in person as well absolutely thank you doc of course first thanks for uh hanging out with us in boston that was awesome it was great to see you great to again meet you uh in irl so now by seeing you and Chris Tyler in person, I told Mark, Derek WC, and Billy D that I think that moves them up into the top five of, of people I just need to meet in person. Yeah, I feel lucky that I've been able to meet so many friends. For me, the one that I truly want to meet um, next is Siskoid from The Fire. Right. Are you going to sneak across the border to do that? Or are you going to trick him down into the... Uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. We'll have to see how it goes. And as I always say, I, I, I don't think you know, uh, knew him, but Chris Tyler did, and it made him sad for a minute. But uh, every time we meet people in person, I have to go back to the fact that I did not get a chance to meet the late, great Sean Engel. Um, yeah podcaster who passed away now must be five or six years now and that frankly was a bit of a kick in the pants for me and them to get out to take opportunities like this uh to meet to meet you and chris and jeremiah to get the cons and and all of that so you know that's that's knowing people online is fun it's nice i considered you a a, a friend before we met in person but there is something different now about having yeah. spend some quality time with you in, in real life. A hundred percent. So everyone knows this, but where can your blogging efforts and social media stuff be found? Uh, it's now 15 years, even though when I told Anna it was 12 years, um, uh, I've been running Supergirl comic box commentary a comic review blog mostly, although sometimes I take some side missions and do a little critique or other discussions. And then I am on X, which will always be Twitter, um, uh, at Dr. Ange 70 and I'm on Blue Sky as well um, as Dr. Ange 70 I know I said we were wrapping up, but I'm curious. Now that the TV show, the Supergirl TV show has been gone 18 months-ish, maybe whatever yeah. it's been, Sort of what are your big picture thoughts in terms of how net positive for the character? I'll say, I think the television show wasn't a perfect show, but Melissa Benoist, the Supergirl, was the oh, perfect mercy Supergirl. mercy me. Yes. Perfect, perfect Supergirl. And her understanding of the character is light years beyond Tom King's, for example, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and so I tell this story all of the time that that at work I would say like oh my favorite character is Supergirl they're like there's you mean Wonder Woman right like yeah right, right. then oh my god it's like this is a household word now right this is a primetime show on CBS right you know um, so uh, so I think totally a net positive and it's very interesting to see even in the outcome I don't know if you've seen the Flash movie mm -hmm. but yeah um, 
but you know, like there's a Supergirl in that that's not mm -hmm. the classic Supergirl. And I, you can look it up on YouTube. There is a like a documentary that was an extra on the DVD where each of the like Helen Slater, Laura Vanderbilt, right. Melissa Benoist all talk about their thoughts of the character, and then comic creators talk about theirs. Benoist is just a hundred percent right. You know, she had that's to be great. a role model. Little girls should should look up to her. She has to be an inspiration. Her motto is help, hope, and compassion for all. That's what, and I knew I had that weight on me to represent that. I mean, that's, that's just understanding of the character that few have. Great. So. Thank you for that slight diversion. I've been wanting to ask you that for like a year now. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, thanks again for joining us on this episode. And, uh, you know, sorry about the Patriots. I, you know, I always, I had 20 years of glory. <laughs> it's my turn, right? You know, so I'll let people beat up on me for a while. So. Oh, take care. Take care. Are you tired of fanboy comics podcasts? Looking for a show that really appreciates the comics storytelling medium and how it works? A show that looks at comics from any genre and anywhere in the world? Comparing the storytelling techniques of different creators and different comics cultures? With manga, newspaper strips, European comics, and more discussed alongside mainstream U.S. comics. A show that includes talks with well-known creators like James Robinson and Dan Jurgens, and with less famous creators that you really should know. And hey, we'll even critique your comic. If you're looking for that show, then you're looking for Deconstructing Comics, and it's right here at deconstructingcomics.com. Also available in iTunes and on Stitcher. This is Tim saying check out our show every Monday. That's Deconstructing Comics. Our last day in Boston was Tuesday. And in the morning, I did one last session of my conference after finally hitting a Dunkin' Donuts. And yes, it was the one near the aforementioned chapel in the mall. Valerie and M ate at the yard house there at the hotel, and then we checked out and hit the road mid-morning. This was the only stretch of bad weather we had on the entire trip. It just started pouring down rain and did so for a good half hour. M commented that the rain actually seemed to calm down the usually um, vocal and rambunctious Boston drivers. The rain slowed everybody down, and it was actually just a little more calm than the drive in to Boston had been. The timing was good because if we had left too early we would not have stopped in Framingham on the way out where we hit Bedrock Comics. We walked in. By we, I mean M and me. Mrs. Quarterbin had urgent puzzle and game-playing duties on her phone to take care of. So the two of us walked in, and I said to the owner that I'd heard tell of cheap comics in the store. And he directed us to the back of the place where he had something like five or six long boxes of 50-cent comics. These were ones with covers. From there, I nabbed a handful 
Amazing High Adventures number two, Dark Ark After the Fall number one, and Jack Kirby's Fourth World six through eight, because it was August, which is Jack Kirby month. And then M discovered the legendary 25 cent box and called me over. It wasn't really a box. I mean, it's more like two stacks of coverless comic books leaning over into each other. I mean, they were in a box, I suppose, but they were arranged like a couple of stacks rather than arranged how comics usually are in a box. And from there, jackpot. I nabbed more than a score of comics, which was appropriate because it was definitely a score of comics. <laughs> Including a few that made it right into the Quarterbin database and will be covered on the show at some point overall. That particular 25-cent haul included Adam 12, number four, Batman 277, an issue of Boris Karloff Tales of Mystery, Brave and the Bold, 128, and World's Finest, 239, which I have set aside for possible coverage with my good friend Billy D, seeing as these were both Bob Haney stories. Also, Grand Prix, 19, an issue of Ghostly Haunts, Dagar, the Invincible, 1 and 4, Supervillain Team-Up, number 6, Issue 1 of the Legion of Superheroes, reprint title from the early 1970s, which will be, or has been, covered on episode 199 of the Quarterbin Podcast. And a lot of kids' books. A Little Archie, some Richie Rich, Sad Sack, Sad Sack with Sarge and Sadie, Walt Disney, an issue of Treasure Chest, and one that I sent directly to Ange, The Adventures of Young Dr. Masters. For those of you who missed the old days of the Reading Journal, where I just listed off comic books, that brief segment was for you, for old times' sake. And at the store, M bought a t-shirt declaring that they have been approved by the Comics Code Authority. Had a nice chat with the owner there. And anytime I start these chats, by about the third question I have about their business plan and distribution choices, I have to mention, hey, I'm a business professor. That's why I'm asking you these really nosy questions. Now, one fascinating thing that the owner of Bedrock said was that they were getting ready to greatly reduce their new comics operations. It sounded like they would just maybe stick to pre-orders and pull boxes. That certainly seemed to be where he was going. That store had a decent trade area, and like I said, t-shirts and some toys. But most importantly, he did say they would keep the cheap books. So that is definitely a relief. Then from there, we wanted to head out to the location that we talked about on a recent Dorkness to Light episode. So not going to talk a lot about that part of the trip here because this episode is not about the actual pilgrimage we made to an actual shrine of an actual saint. 
That was covered in Dorkness to Light. So I'll just move on. Though I will say on our way to the St. Kateri Shrine, that was where we experienced our biggest fail of the trip in terms of where we ate. In my defense, the travel center off the New York Turnpike did have a pizza place, but they had just sold out and were in the process of making the dough for the next batch of pizzas, and we really didn't have that much time to wait, so we had to... That's right. Eat at McDonald's. Hashtag oh the shame. I will mention that we stopped by another local library after visiting the shrine in the town where we spent that night on the road. It was an interesting little location. It was active inside. It was not quiet in that library. It was active. But there was nothing on the book sale shelf that I was moved to purchase. For dinner there, we redeemed ourselves from the whole McDonald's embarrassment by eating at a local Italian pizza and pasta place. It was called Fresh Basil and was clearly a pizza hut in former life. You know how you can't hide some architectural details? Sometimes a place reveals its past, even if a decade or more has passed. That was fresh basil, and both the pasta and pizza were both very good. The next morning, Wednesday, we had hotel breakfast, and this we also discussed on the Dorkness episode, because this hotel had something that sets it apart from every other one we've ever visited before. Because while many of these breakfast-included places have waffle makers, the Microtel in Amsterdam, New York, had a 3D pancake printer that is the only way to describe this thing. You just waved your hand in front of the sensor, some batter dropped out onto the conveyor belt, it went through the oven, And then at the end, I don't know, 75 seconds later, a pancake drops onto your plate. Boom. Now, Em and Valerie needed some additional Dunkin' coffee on their way out. So we hit there, and we ended up just after noon at the house of one of Valerie's cousins where we were going to spend the night there near the New York-Pennsylvania border. We had some local pizza there for lunch, thicker crust than I usually like, but it was very, very good. It still managed to be crispy enough for me. That's the key. And along with Cousin Lisa, we all went to the local mini golf course for some fun times. M won the mini golf. I mean, probably we weren't actually keeping score, but M was pretty consistently the best of us. I'm guessing I came in second. But even more important, the competition that I totally won was that I definitely picked the best ice cream flavor from the snack bar, black cherry, and it was excellent. Then back at Lisa's for dinner, two more cousins showed up for a 
homemade local delicacy of speedies, which are grilled kebabs of meat, usually lamb, but in this case chicken, grilled with the local delicacy of speedy sauce. Yum, yum, yum. And one of those other cousins, Gene, who is over 90 years old, not only drove there, but brought two separate desserts that she had made earlier in the day. Hashtag inspiration. Now, I had done a quick search of the Binghamton, New York area and discovered yet another comic book shop. But because of our commitments to, you know, like family and stuff, we were unable to head to Fat Cat Comics, which from the pictures on their website does seem to have an actual cat on staff, which would have been awesome. But we were able to reconcile ourselves to missing that particular comic shop, seeing how epic the trip was from start to finish, and all of the other comic shops we were able to visit along the way. Now, the next morning was a Thursday, and because it was a Thursday, Lisa had to go into work, so we were just planning to get up and hit the road early. But Cousin Jean, the one that's over 90 years old, because she's over 90, was not working that morning. So she invited the three of us out to dinner at a local joint, the Broadway Diner, which was exactly what breakfast at a local joint like that is supposed to be. Between us, there were pancakes, omelets, biscuits, and gravy. Overall, just an excellent meal. From there, with the good weather we were facing, it definitely seemed like we would make it back home by the end of the day. That was our goal, so we did zip out quickly and got on the road. And since we were looking for, um, I would say, efficiency on the highways, we decided that me and M should probably do the bulk of the driving. Mrs. Quarterman just really likes hanging out around the speed limit. And that's just not what we needed this day. <laughs> we did find another local diner place for lunch, literally called the 50s Diner and Dairy, with yummy milkshakes. And then actually, we're able to navigate ourselves around Cleveland in a quick enough fashion that we're able to drop M off at their place just a bit after 6 and Valerie and I were back home shortly thereafter. We probably had something from the freezer for dinner and fell asleep very, very early that night. I must say that this was a very fun road trip, and not even because the good taxpayers of Ohio footed a little bit of the cost. I mean, yes, that helped. But family, meeting friends in real life, Ange, Chris, Jeremiah, comic books, good meals, comic books, the beach. Did I mention the comic books? Overall, it was a great trip. And lovely listeners, thank you for coming along. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. 
on our vacation trip. The meals, the friends, the comics. Did I mention the comics? We value your comments and appreciate your listenership. Feedback can be sent via email, relativelygeeky at gmail.com, or as a comment on the Twitter or Facebook post for the episode, or directly on the blog. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. All are welcome. Thanks for listening, and take care.